Well, a state trooper once pulled a woman over on a highway, and he sees his car driving, and he pulls her over, and he goes up to the car. And this woman asks the state trooper, uh, sir, officer, what did I do wrong? And he says, well, you are going way below the speed limit on a major road on a major highway. And I don't know if you know it, but there are laws against going way under the speed limit. And she says, what do you mean? I thought I was going the speed limit when I turned onto this road. It said Interstate 26. And he said, well, that's not the speed limit. And he laughed at her and said, that's not the speed limit. That means that this is the interstate that we're on. And she's embarrassed and she leans back in her car and uh, she does, she's just uh, so embarrassed of herself. And as she leans back in her car, the officer notices the passenger. And the passenger is sitting there like gripping the sea and she looks pale as a ghost and scared. And so the officer asks this woman, what's wrong with your passenger? And she said, I don't know, but she's been that way since we hit Interstate 160. I know it's kind of a cheesy joke, but also funny. You'll never guess where I got that joke from. I got that joke from my defensive driving course that I had to take last year. Now, some of you guys laugh, but there's some judgment in the laugh. Maybe you're judging me for getting a ticket. But here's what happened. Let me explain. Last year, I got a ticket for going a few miles over the speed limit on Christmas Day. Like, no cars on the road. I know. Shout out to the New Braunfels Police Department. But... Um, <laughs> And for those of you that are judging me for getting a speeding ticket, here's a bold statement that I want to make this morning. If you're here this morning, and unless you walked here, but if you're here this morning, every single one of you has broken the speed limit. I know. It's a bold statement to make. Here's how I know that. The speed limit in our parking lot is five miles an hour. <laughs> and that is the equivalent of not moving at all. Like, I'm from New York. We walk faster than that. So every single one of us, just try it. When you go home today, try to drive five miles an hour and see if you can follow the speed limit. Um, I share the story with you because knowing what the speed limit is is important, but it's also important to have wisdom to know how fast to go depending on the situation and circumstances that you're in. In other words, there's a difference between having knowledge and having wisdom. And here's what I would say. Having knowledge without having wisdom is useless. Let me give you a couple of examples of the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Practically, knowledge is knowing what your weight is when you step on a scale. And maybe you do that every year and you feel bad about yourself or whatever it may be. But wisdom helps you to apply some changes to your life that will help you get on the right track. Uh, here's another one. Having knowledge is knowing that as you're driving on 1604 in your minivan with your family, someone cuts you off and then just throws something at your car. Yes, this really happened to me. And it's knowing that you feel a certain way. Wisdom is slowing down and separating yourself from that person. Here's one that you guys may have heard. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put tomato in a fruit salad. So there's a difference between having knowledge and having wisdom. And that means it's possible for you to have a lot of knowledge and not have a lot of wisdom. So you can have lots of knowledge based on your age or the experiences that you've had in life, but not many have the same amount of wisdom based on their age because wisdom is us ultimately using the knowledge that we have properly. Here's how Charles Spurgeon says it. He says, many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And as we start 2024, uh, my hunch is that you don't need more knowledge. 
You don't need to know more things in life. What you really need is to know how to put that knowledge to use. What you really need is wisdom. See, many of you already know your realities. You know the fork in the road decisions that you're going to have to make this year. You know, some of you even know what the consequences of those decisions that you make are going to be. So this year, uh, you're going to make some decisions uh, like, is this the right person to trust this year? This is the right church for me to attend this year. Is this the right move for my family to make this year? If you're an employer, you might say, is this the right employee to give the responsibilities to this year? Uh, Is this the right job for me to take this year? And should I wait outside of Target to get the latest Stanley mug? Some of you guys got that, some of you didn't. My hunch is that most of us have the knowledge of the options before us um, and even the consequences of what those actions might mean for us. But what I think that we struggle with many times, and this is why resolutions are hard, what we struggle with is discerning which options to take when we get to the fork in the road. Which decision to make, which road to take, which road to travel on. This is why wisdom matters so much. And here's what I would say. Wisdom might be the most important quality that you and I can possess this year. Because this year is going to bring about some challenges, some complications, some divisions in our nation. This year is an election year. This year you're going to make decisions that impact yourself, your family, your career. And so wisdom is exactly what we need this year in a world that is so distorted and often makes it difficult for us to make decisions. Not everything is black and white in life, and that's why wisdom is especially important, and it's one of the most important qualities that you can possess this year. Solomon, he understood this. You may already know the story of Solomon, but I love this uh, passage in the book of Kings where Solomon is David's son, and he becomes the heir to the throne, and and God has favor on Solomon, and God ends up asking Solomon one of the best questions that God ever asks in the Bible. He says, Solomon, ask of whatever you want and I will give it to you. What an amazing question. Like, I wish God would just ask me that on a daily basis. What do you want and I will give it to you? And many of us would probably have lots of things that we want in life. Maybe a new car or a new job or a new house or whatever it is. And maybe after you get through some of the material things, you start getting serious. Okay, if God were to really ask me, what is it that you want, I'll give it to you. Maybe you start thinking through some things. It's so interesting what Solomon responds with. Here's what he says to God, 1 Kings 3.9. He says, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And then God responds in verse 12. He says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that they will never, they, they will never have anyone like you, been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Hey, Solomon knew the importance. And he says, give me a discerning heart so that I can distinguish between right and wrong. And he knew that this is what he needed to what? Govern God's people because that's what God had called him to. So in other words, Solomon knew that wisdom and discernment is what he needed to do to accomplish what God had called him to do. And Solomon knew that that type of wisdom could only come from God. Otherwise, Solomon as a king would have sought it out in other places. But who does he go to when he needs this type of wisdom? He goes to God. And Solomon would go on to write wisdom literature, some that we know as the book of Proverbs. And here's what he says about wisdom in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. He says, Happy or blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her, wisdom's proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. Here's a man who has everything, all the riches in the world, and he says, Wisdom is better than anything else you can get in this life, especially the riches of this world. 
So this year, as we start this new series, what if we just focused on being wiser people? Wiser men, wiser women, wiser husbands, wiser fathers, wiser mothers, wiser families, wiser friends. What if we oriented our lives to make decisions that kept us on the path that God has for us? I think, though, with wisdom, wisdom has its complications. We have an issue with wisdom in the Western world, and here's what it is. Wisdom isn't that satisfying. And here's why it's not satisfying. We live in a world where any, anything we want, we can have at the snap of a finger if we have the right resources. I mean, any question you have, you just go on Google and you put it in and you get the answer immediately. Right? Whatever we want, we have immediately. And this is why wisdom isn't satisfying because wisdom doesn't grant you the answers. Wisdom gives you the discernment and you have to go and make a decision with that discernment. So there's still some things that you have to do even when you have wisdom. Because of the free will that we have, you and I have to make decisions in life. And wisdom gives us the ability to make those decisions in life when the answer is not always black and white. And so when it comes to the decisions that you and I might make this year, the wisest thing that you can do is not just seek and pursue answers, but to ask the right questions before you make some decisions this year. What do I do this year? What do I do with my family? What do I do with my career? What do I do with my friends? What do I do? There are so many decisions that you and I will make this year. And here's what I want to give you practically. Five questions to ask before you make decisions this year. Five questions to ask before you make decisions this year. And the first one is something that is so foundational. And before we can lean in to godly wisdom, we got to evaluate ourselves a little bit. And here's the first question to ask. Are my decision-making habits healthy? Are my decision-making habits healthy? See, some of us have unhealthy decision-making habits. Some of you are in the same camp as my wife. You're very slow when it comes to decision-making. Like we've been trying to uh, find a new toddler bed for my uh, three-year-old for like two months now. And I've had many beds in the cart, many beds that I've showed her. But she's like, I'm not sure that's the right one. And we waited and waited. And here's the wisdom that I have now. I won't just order it without her permission. And here's why. If I order it without her permission, I'm going to be doing all those returns later on. Some of you just takes, take a long time to make decisions. Why? There's some anxiety around making decisions. Like, I don't know if I buy it, I might not like it in two months. Like, she might not like the color of it later. I don't know about this move. Like, I'm not sure because you don't know what's going to happen on the other side of that decision. So you're very slow to make decisions. Others of you, you rush into decisions. That's how I can be sometimes. You, you wake up making decisions. You're fast-paced. You don't have time to waste on considerations. you got to be more efficient, make more decisions, make more moves, and move on up in life. I mean, you'll jump on the latest trend and movement because you have a hard time waiting. You have a hard time valuing a process of waiting and discerning. And this affects us, this mentality affects us spiritually as well. There's a story that you've probably heard of the drowning man. Right, there's a flood and this man is, is drowning and he holds on to the rooftop of his house. That's how much water there is. And he prays to God and says, God, will you save me? And someone comes on a rowboat and says, hey, get on, I'll save you. And the man says, I'm waiting on God. God's going to save me. And then the rowboat goes away and then an actual boat comes, motorboat. And he comes and says, 
hey, get on the boat and we'll save you. And he says, no, I've prayed to God. He's going to come through for me. God's going to save me. And then later on, a helicopter comes. Says, hey, you just got a few minutes left. Grab onto the rope and save yourself. Says, no, I'm trusting in something greater. I'm trusting in God. And then this man goes on to drown and dies. And then he gets to heaven. And he gets to God and says, God, I've asked you for all these things. Where were you? And God says, I gave you three options. You never took them. And this is how some of us are spiritually. Some of us are waiting on God to make a decision when God's waiting on you to make a decision. Some of us just need to do it. We're very slow when it comes to making decisions or stepping into a next stage of life or moving ahead. And others of us are too quick when it comes to making decisions spiritually. We haven't valued discernment and wisdom and seeking God in it. This happens all the time. As a pastor, we see this all the time in church. And there's nothing wrong with it, but we just, it's just an interesting take, you know, with Christians. We have many people that come to church and say, this is the church. God has called me to this church. I love this church. We're here, and we want to be members here. And we always say, hey, take some time. Get to know our church. You might like the song one week, but you might hate it the next week. You might like my message one week, but you might hate it next week. Like, take your time. And we've had people, many people that have said, no, no, like I don't need to wait. This is it. And they'll become members and then the next week they'll say, hey, we're going to go to another church. So sometimes, there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes we're so quick to making decisions as well. And we think that we've processed and we think that we're being wise and we've discerned. But then we realize that we've moved too fast. So some of us are slow when it comes to decision making. Some of us are too fast. And I would put another category out there. Some of us are just stuck spiritually when it comes to decision making. And it's kind of like the slow group. But some of us are waiting for these massive signs when it comes to decision making. And sometimes it's not so black and white. I'll give you an example. It was about three and a half, four years ago uh, when I was approached to take, take on the lead pastor position at this church. And initially I said, no, this is not the church for me. And, but then I entered into a process of prayer with God and to see like where he was leading me and Crystal and I processed it. But there was never a moment when God came down to the earth and stood in front of me or in a dream spoke to me and said, Alan, you are to take the lead pastor job. Like that never happened. But I knew what God had called me to. I knew that I was surrendering my life and the plans of my life to God. And I just made a decision based on that. So some of us who are stuck spiritually when it comes to making decisions, if it aligns with where God has called you to or where he's leading you or you feel like he might be leading you there, and we'll get to some of that later on, some of us are just stuck and we just need to make a decision and surrender that to God. So number one, are my decision-making habits healthy? Just ask yourself, look at some decisions that you've made last year. Here's a second question. Oh, let me, uh, let me give you a verse here. A Proverbs 19, verse 2. He's talking about those who make decisions too quickly. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? But don't be too quick. And some of us don't be too slow in making decisions. Here's a second question to ask yourself before you make a decision this year. Are my motives in the right place? Are my motives in the right place before and when I make a decision this year? Proverbs 16, verse 2, here's what he says. Uh, Solomon, as he's writing some, about some of the wisdom he has, all a person's ways seems pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. All a person's ways seems pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So when you enter that relationship this year, you might feel that this is the right relationship for you to be in because you feel alone. 
and this person feels like the right person for you to be with. But are your, is your motive just not being alone? Is your motive just having a companion? There's nothing wrong with that, but have you really evaluated your motives when you make a decision this year? We might think that we're making the right decisions, but God knows our motives. We've all been blinded by decisions that we made in the past before. And here's Proverbs, Solomon says it again, chapter 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, and I am clean and without sin? Some of us just need to acknowledge that we have blind spots. And there are blind spots in the past that have led to some of the results in our lives. And so before you make a decision this year, check yourself to see what are your motives. Why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Why are you making the decisions that you're making this year? Here's a motive test that I used to give to the worship team at our church plant in New York. And I used to be part of the worship ministry. And we had a very small church plant in New York and uh, a, few, a, a few people on our team. And I would always give them this test. Hey, preparing, and the worship team, uh, these guys do a lot of work. They're here doing rehearsals. They're here early Sunday mornings. They say the whole service. But I've asked, I asked them in our church plant, I said, hey, some of you have a difficult time preparing uh, to play some of the music or preparing to be ready to spiritually lead people into worship on Sunday mornings. And I just asked them this simple question. What if the biggest church in America asked you to lead next weekend? How hard would you prepare? I mean, they'd be getting the outfit ready, memorizing all the lyrics, like knowing the song in and out. Why? Because you're going to be on the biggest stage, and it's practical for us to have some of those motives. But sometimes we just need to weigh our motives to see, why am I doing what I'm doing? And it's not just with worship, it's anything in life. What are the motives that are leading you to make some decisions in your life? Are they pure? Have they been surrendered to God? Honestly, assess your motives, both good and bad. Here's number three. Uh, what will your community Think about your decision. In other words, what will those around you think about your decisions? Here's what Proverbs, uh, Solomon writes, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 to 2. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding but de delight in airing their own opinions. And what he's saying here is this. A foolish person separates themselves from wise counsel. They've separated themselves from the decision-making process from others. Why? Because they feel like their own feelings and thoughts and the reasons why they're making their decisions is wise enough on its own. And it's important that you and I don't isolate ourselves when it comes to decision-making. It's also important, though, that the counsel that you get is from the right people. That you're going to get counsel and you're surrounding yourself from people that will actually speak into your life. Like some of you guys go to get advice and counsel from people that are making wrong decisions in their lives. That's probably not the wisest thing to do. But who are the people that you can go to that you've seen them make wise decisions in your life and they can just simply speak in to the season of life that you're in? And that means if you ask that, not only is it important for you to ask people to speak into your decision making, but you also need to be okay with them saying that you're making the wrong decisions. In other words, don't just surround yourself with people that will just say yes. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. 
This is so important in so many different aspects of our lives. We know this in our marriage. We know this when it comes to our job places. Here's a, a practical way that we, this plays out in my role at the church. And I had a mentor of mine tell me this, but I serve as a lead pastor here. And so I might present vision and direction to the church and even implement it. But when it comes to uh, church-altering decisions and the direction of our church, I submit that to a council. And that's our board. And these are wise and godly men. And here's what my mentor told me one time. He said, if you have something on your heart that you are so confident that this is where God is leading our church and you bring it to your council and every single one of them disagrees with it, you're probably in the wrong and they're probably in the right. In other words, there are no lone rangers when it comes to Christianity. We surround ourselves with godly wisdom to see where is God leading us collectively. But also in your own individual lives, don't just be a lone ranger making decisions on your own. Invite some people into the decision-making process in your life. You guys with me so far? All right, we got two more here. Number four is an important one. What would God say about your decisions? What would God say about the decisions that he makes, that you make. Proverbs 2, 6. Solomon knew this. It's why he asked God for wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This is so foundational for us to understand that wisdom, true wisdom comes from God. And many times we isolate God when it comes to our decision making. So many times we go outside of the church or outside of ourselves. In fact, you can go online now and you'll find people giving you advice and wisdom all over the place. I mean, there are podcasts and authors out there and social media folks. I mean, this is the age of advice giving because it's so easy for everyone to have a platform, right? And there's a lot of good in that, but it also means that many of us go outside of God to look for advice. Many of you, your idea of being a man is based on what Joe Rogan teaches. Like we go outside of God to look for what it means to be wise. And then other times we look within. And that's why we have to examine our motives. And we look within to make decisions. But here's a question that you have to ask yourself. Have you, been, have you hit 100% at bat when you've made decisions on your own? Have you been perfect in all your decision making in the past? And here's what I would say. The person that I thought I would marry 12 years ago is not the person that I'm married to this year. At that moment in my life, I thought that I was being wise. So when we trust in our own selves and we make some of these decisions on our own, I thought I was being wise when I pursued that job in the past. I thought I was being wise when I was honest with that person about my feelings, yet it went on to hurt that person. I think many of us would agree that we've made decisions in the past that we thought were wise based on our own feelings and emotions. But no, now that it's not wise. And this is why godly wisdom matters. And here's what Jesus uh, says about being wise. Jesus, as he gives the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, he shares some truths about his kingdom and what it means to follow him. And then he gets to this part about a wise man. Here's what he says, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And you may have heard the story. The rain came and the wind blew, but the house didn't fall. Because why? It was built on a strong foundation. And then he says, on the contrary, the fool... The unwise built their house on what? On the sand, right? And the rain came and the wind blew and there was a great crash. Notice what Jesus is implying about wisdom. 
both builders, the one that built on the solid rock and the one that built on the sand, had heard the words of Jesus. The difference was that only one of them applied the words of Jesus to their own lives. Look what he says again. Let's read that again. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. So godly wisdom, pursuing godly wisdom, means that yes, we're looking for discernment. We're trying to discern between right and wrong, but it's much more than that. We're trying to discern between right and wrong in accordance with God's plans and what God says in his Word. If you've isolated God from your decisions that you make, you may have missed the point of true wisdom. And this is why godly wisdom matters. What does God have to say about it? What does God have to say about it? Worship team, you guys can come on up as I get ready to wrap up. And here is number five, last but not least. Fifth question to ask yourself this year when you make a decision. Have I surrendered my decisions to God? Have I surrendered my decisions to God. Proverbs 16, 9, here's what he says. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. This verse almost, it feels like it should be flipped around, right? Like in their hearts, humans plan their steps, but God is the one that knows the entirety of their lives. Like it almost feels like that's the way it should be. But he says, in their minds, humans plan their course, but God establishes their steps. Here's what that word establishes means. It means that God gives direction to the steps that you take. So you might have an idea and a plan for your life, and it might be based on Scripture. You might have wisdom in it. You may have a sought-out um, community and wise counsel in it. You've thought through all the other questions in the past, and then you say, here's where I feel like God is leading me this year. I'm going to go from here to the end of this stage. And what, what Solomon is saying is this. You might get there, but your journey there is determined by God. What he's saying is every step that you take is determined by God. And so some of you might end up in the back of the worship center and you're wondering what's happening because your idea and the plan for your life was to get to the end of the stage, yet you find yourself in the back of the worship center. And what Solomon is saying is wisdom is knowing that every step of the way is directed by God and he's leading me on a path that will ultimately lead to where he's called me to, but there might be some detours on the road. So this year there might be some challenges ahead for you. I'm not telling you that this year is going to be great and perfect and we're expecting more from God. It's going to be a miracle. No, this year you're going to get into some obstacles, some detours in the road. And you might be going this way and you see a roadblock. What Solomon is saying is a wise person knows that it is God that establishes every step that we take, even if it's not on course, on plan with what we've planned ourselves. And so a wise person, when they set out for course, understands that their confidence in getting there is not in themselves. And they have the humility to know that they will only get there because God has ordained, established, given direction to every step that they take. Every decision we make has to be surrendered to God. And so that means we're okay with the results of it because we're confident the God who's called us and is with us and is for us 
no matter what the journey looks like, is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's working it all together every step of the way. That's why he writes. We could go on and on about the wisdom that Solomon shares with us. And the next few weeks, we're going to get into some practical things about what it means to live out as Christians when it comes to wisdom. But he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In all your ways, submit to him, surrender to him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own wisdom. In all your ways, acknowledge him, surrender to him, and he is the one that will make your path straight. This is so important for us to understand as we begin this year. The direction, the journey, the course that you want to go this year, you want your family to go this year, it's great. Maybe you've asked all the questions above and you feel confident, but humility and wisdom says that you will get there because God is the one that will direct and establish every step that you take. So this year, wisdom is the most important quality that you can possess. And maybe you're here and you're going, I don't know what it's like to be wise. Like I can read scripture, I can go to church, but I don't know how to make wise decisions. And here's a promise from scripture to us. The book of James, here's what he says. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will, get, and it will be given to you. Well, that's good news right there. Do you need wisdom this year? Ask God. Ask Him yourself. Don't ask the pastors or the elders to say, hey, I really need wisdom this year. No, you ask God. And He says He will give it generously without finding fault. It will be given to you. God wants to direct your path. God wants to direct your steps. He wants to give you wisdom. Go to Him every decision that you make. Say, God, I need wisdom. It's one of the questions I ask myself all the time and pray to God all the time. I just need wisdom. I don't know if I'm, what I'm, the decisions that I'm making are the right decisions. I just need wisdom. This is what it means to be godly, wise people in the decisions that we make this year. And you have access to it. I love because James, right before that, he's talking about trials tribulations and issues that you're going to go through in life. And then he says, do you need wisdom when you go through it? Ask God and he will give it to you generously. And here's what I want us to do as we end the service. I want us to ask God for wisdom. Is that okay? So would you bow your heads with me? And if you're able, just open your hands out like this as a posture of surrendering to God. And in your own words, in your own thoughts, ask God directly. Ask God directly. Let's come together as a church and ask God. God, I need wisdom this year. When it comes to my family, God, I need wisdom this year. When it comes to the decisions that I make for my kids. God, I need decisions this year. As I lead this church, God, I need decisions this year. I need wisdom this year. I need wisdom, Lord, that comes from you. Wisdom that comes from you. God, would you give us humility? 
to put our confidence not in our own plans, but in you. For you are the one that gives direction to every step that we take. Would you give wisdom to those who are in relationships and trying to navigate what that's like? Is this the right person? Do we keep going? Do we stop? Do we take a break? What, what, where do we go? Pray for wisdom for marriages that are having issues this year. Complications. God, would they pursue wisdom above all things? Pray for those who, are, who, have, who have big life decisions to make this year. Would you honor them wisdom? Would you help them to ask you and come to you for wisdom? For those who might be facing sickness or illness and are not sure what to do with their family, would you give them wisdom to make decisions? But your word says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask and it will be given to you generously. And we are confident that the audience that James was writing to that you are faithful to them. And this morning, your church, as they approach you, God, that you will be faithful to them. For you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. May the decisions that we make be built on solid ground. And we hear what you've said to us and put it into practice. May we be wiser people this year. And in every decision, I pray, Lord, that you remove anxiety, knowing every decision has been surrendered to you so that you will work it out for our good. We thank you that we can come to you and we can ask and you hear us and you give to us. Would you be with us this year as you were last year? Would you speak clearly to us, guide us, lead us this year? As individuals, as families, and as a church, we thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. And it's in your precious name we pray.